Alicia. And we're sharing content that supports and empowers students, parents, caregivers, and educators. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm good. Middle of the week, hanging uh-huh. in there. Yeah. Things are going well. What are we going to yeah, get into? About our topic. I know. I was just going to say, what are we getting into tonight? That's always a hot topic. It's personal, isn't it? It is. And I think different, the grades are different sometimes than they were when I was in school. They mean, you know, it's still A, B, C, D, or F, but maybe not always calculated the same way. And some grades are just letters, like O for outstanding or S for satisfactory. So there are different types of of grades now than there used to be, I think. Yeah, there are different types of grades. And then also to add to that, and I think you and I are going to talk about some of the complexity that's involved here. Um, Not only do grades differ from school districts, the the way grades are calculated from one school district to another, but also from primary to intermediate elementary, from elementary to middle school, and from middle school to high school. Yes. Some are based on the percentages. Some are based on the points. And they're on a scale. Uh-huh. Like I know that in A, in some some places, maybe 90 to 100. Some places, it's 93 to 100. So it, it really depends on what right. that, yeah, the value of the letter. Right. And we had talked about in our last podcast that if you are supporting a learner and finding yourself helping with schoolwork or homework or any kind of academic task, you need to ask yourself, why am I helping with this? What is the reason, especially if you find yourself feeling distressed or a little overwhelmed or confused as the adult, you know, about the amount of help that might seem to be required or the outcome of what the kid is doing. So if your answer to that would be, I'm worried about grades, then the next question might be, well, why? What, what, why are you worried about grades? Why do you think, and we're parents, we've worried about grades for our kids too. Why do we worry about grades for our kids? Well, if your child wants to go to college mm-hmm. and they want to go to a certain college, grades are important, right? It's a factor. It's a determining factor. Mm-hmm. For some parents, grades depend on getting into a certain high school, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Or a certain middle right. school. Mm-hmm. Those letter grades are important. To some parents, it's just they want to, the grade means their child may be academically successful. I think it's just the value that is placed, you know, on the grades maybe. I, I think there are many different reasons possibly for that. I think there are too. I think some of it sometimes has to do with how kids are grouped in a given classroom or which teacher they have access to. Sometimes that's based on, you know, academic ratings or a program that a kid wants to be in 
in, in another level, like you said, like right. I'm in, I want to go to a middle school that has a special program in arts or in STEM or something, and I need to have certain grades to do that. Or some kids, you know, they have to show the academic progress in order to stay in an extracurricular yes. sports, for example. Yeah, so parents can get really worried, not just parents, but anybody who's working with a student can get worried, can get anxious, and that's not something we want kids, right? Because right. we don't want them to be worried about grades as the ultimate outcome of learning, although, man, <laughs> that's an uphill battle, but we could try to help them understand better. I think one important question to ask, and something that parents should know that I think would give them a little bit more power or peace of mind, probably peace of mind or empower them would be, how are these grades calculated? You know, is, is there a percentage for homework? Is what, what percentage is calculated for participation in class or tests and quizzes? And how is that made up? And then, you know, are there, are there opportunities to raise the grades if they fall because you mm-hmm. you and I know that tests are a reality but there there are different ways to measure if a child is learning something or if they've mastered it right a skill or strategy and are those traditional tests yes and are there opportunities for students to be able to do that show what they know in other ways possibly mm-hmm. so I think yeah and I You know, in the in the best scenario, um, a learner should have more than one chance to learn something. It shouldn't be do or die, so to speak. Like you have this one chance to show what you know, because not everybody gets to the same place at the same time in the same way. You've actually, I'm going to mention we. We have a YouTube channel where we have short clips um, for for, uh-huh. for parents or caregivers, and this is this podcast actually came from a clip um, that Mary had done, and you had mentioned in this video clip that, and and you just mentioned it again, which reminded me that students need another opportunity to show what they know to maybe retake a traditional test if that's the case. My question is when they are given the test or, or assigned a grade and they've maybe not done so well, is there a chance for some constructive feedback or next steps for the students? And is it is the concept or strategy retaught? And you mentioned that as, as something that needs to be done in, in the video. And I think that that's important to bring up because it's really more about the student learning and not so much about the grade. It should be. I think that even with all these years of, of education reform, there are still people who see grades as competitive rather than a measure of growth. And that's, you know, that's for good reason. Some schools still and districts still use grades as a way to basically sort kids or to say this kid's in this spot and this one's in that spot. And I think we know better. I'm sure we know better than that by now. Assessment is meant to help the learner, not just judge the learner, right? Yes. So yeah. if we're giving a kid one opportunity to want to show they know something and then judging them as not adequate in that on that task, then what good is that? That's just, I, it's just kind of meaningless, I think. It just means they weren't there yet and they need more time. But you had talked about how are the grades calculated, and I think that 
some people don't know, and I know in my own family, I've told, you know, my brother and my sister-in-law when they've had questions about their own kids, there's always a policy. It has to be in place. You have to have a policy Mm -hmm. for how grading happens. And so that, I think, is one of the first steps that you need to know as someone who's concerned about grades is what is the actual policy? Because it could be that the person who's giving the grades might be a little bit off track about how they're doing it or there might be some that might give you an opportunity to open up a conversation if you have the actual policy yes agreed and then we know a lot of teachers actually maybe teach the same grade level or teach the same subject area are their grading policies the same Mm -hmm. or are they different amongst the teams and that's something to really to ask and consider as well Mm -hmm. um yeah because they shouldn't be different, right? right? They should all be following the same policies. Absolutely. I mean, there will be some variance, but not, it shouldn't be Extreme. a huge difference. Right. Right. We, um, in our district, our large district that we've referred to multiple times, the urban setting that we're in, we have a whole published, almost a book that describes basically every in and out of assessment and how grades are calculated at every level and how many you know grades make up a midterm grade semester grade just all of it is articulated and I don't know how many people really have read that carefully know exactly what it says and could explain it you know to somebody who's asking about it it's somewhere between a booklet and a book yes (laughs) it's a little book I don't know but it's going to be there even if it's a one or two page document it's going to be there that has to be in place so that's something you could find out about we had also talked about the thing that really concerns me when I talk to people about helping the students is if you're helping your students so much that they're okay maybe they're getting in a grade a good grade on something they brought home because you helped them but did they really understand it did they really learn from it what does that good grade really mean you know? Right. And they're, and are they able to apply it? And we, and I know we've talked about that before, but you're absolutely right. If they, if they haven't learned the skill or strategy, they don't own it, the knowledge, and they can't apply their knowledge, then that, that good grade really doesn't mean much because at some point it's going to catch up to the learner. They're going to have to use it in another scenario and they might not be able to. Right. And Doing it for them or, you know, hovering over them to make sure they get the grade teaches them that they always need that person there. They don't they don't gain the independence that they need to advocate for themselves. And I know I say that so much, but all kids need to be able to ask for what they need as a learner. So if they're struggling with something, that's not something to be ashamed of, even if the instructor behaves as though it is, the student needs to know that it's their right to ask for what they need and to say, I don't understand this. I need, you know, I need more support. Here's what I, here's what I need. Absolutely. And I think it's okay too for the adult or whomever that is helping the student. It's not up to you to know. Um, It's okay to reach out and say, my learner is stuck. How can I help them? What can I do? And Mm -hmm. and not feel bad about that. It's you, it's not, you're, you're not expected to know the content that's being taught in the classroom and so it's it's perfectly okay to reach out and ask those questions although some of our parents who and caregivers who are online helping they might argue with that statement that they're not expected to know (laughs) 
they're kind of the the teacher of you know it's different times and they're having to get in there and help a lot i think a lot of them are saying i don't really know how to do this in regular times i guess yeah but definitely true but but i think teachers are there to help they have office hours and and there are ways you know that that mm-hmm. you can communicate and, and ask, and, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to right. do that. Yeah, and I have to just reiterate, I know I discussed this a little bit in the last podcast, but as a teacher who works with kids who often are struggling because they have a language barrier, I have had quite a few people ask and hand me an assignment that's too hard for a student and say, you know, they haven't turned this in, this is for a grade, can you help them do it? And when I look at it, I know that if I sit with a student and help them complete it, they're going to get a good grade, but they're not going to understand it. It'll be my work, it'll be me coaching them through it, and to the point that it's my work and not their work. So I have to say the unpopular no and say this is not... This is not appropriate for the student right now. What can we do together to make this so it's something the student can do? And parent, a parent or a caregiver wouldn't necessarily know how to do that, how to adjust and adapt an assignment, but they could ask that. They could say, you know, what kind of support, what kind of accommodations can you provide to my learner because they are not ready for this yet? Obviously, something is not in place for them to be able to do this. So then what kind of questions do you think uh, would help? A pa- if, if they are noticing this happening, what do you think well, they can do? I think, okay, the one that helps me a lot um, when I'm in that situation as another teacher and also that I have been in as a parent is to ask, you know, why is it that my learner isn't ready for this? What are the previous or prior skills or strategies that they that this student needs to have in place in order to be able to do this task? And I think that if you can break it down into, into steps like that, then you can start to talk about moving toward that goal. It's not just a, they've got this or they don't have it. It's okay, they're not here yet, why not? What do they need to have to get here? And I'll help, you know, I will offer to help in any way to get them to that spot with skills that they can learn that will benefit them. It's just going to take a little more time. So you're meeting them yeah. where they are. Is they, yeah. And I think, yeah, as a parent, yeah. as a caregiver, I think that you're not going to know. You won't be able to probably help the teacher figure out how to do that, but you can ask for it. And if you still don't get it, then it's time for another step, you know, figure out what do I do now because this is still, this isn't something that my student can do without a tremendous amount of support from an adult. I'm thinking too, as you're saying that we talked last week about sometimes kids just don't know they're not ready yet, but then sometimes the effort's not there. They just maybe don't want to or they are tired and are looking for someone else Mm -hmm. to do it for them. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if, and this goes back to what goes into calculating the grades. What Mm -hmm. about a student giving their, are they really trying? Are they giving their best effort or is it just kind of, "Mm, I don't know this. So I'm just going to give you whatever I have. And is that, Mm -hmm. is, is effort, is that calculated into the grade that Mm -hmm. 
your students receiving too? Because maybe it is too hard. Or is it just I'm unmotivated for whatever reason? So those are, that's a question too to ask. How, you know, how much of this is, is really their knowledge and skill and how much of it is effort, right? Because we've yeah. been in those situations where you've mm-hmm. had a grade because, or have given a grade because the child just was doing the Christmas tree on the, on the bubble sheet. <laughs> and we used to use those. Yep. <laughs> oh, you just brought back some good memories of that one. <laughs> or their initials on yeah. the bubble sheet. And, and that happens. I mean... You know, oh, there, know. there are yeah. some subjects that are more interesting than others, and that right. does tend to happen. So looking uh-huh. at grades, is that a factor? for? Uh-huh. And, and that's that's something that I think parents and caregivers need to know, too, and students for that yeah. matter. Yeah, I think that motivation is a tricky one. I mean, it's all it's all complex. That's what makes this work so right. interesting, right? And it's never the same twice, and... It's, it's well, part of the reason why I love it so much, but can also be really frustrating because if a kid is resisting, if they don't want to do the work, why? You know, can you mm-hmm. find out why are they resisting? When I do um, literacy diagnostic assessments and I'm with kids that I've never met before, one of the first questions I ask the parent is, how does this your, you know, student, the parent or whoever, is bringing the student in for assessment, what is the approach to homework that this student has, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I'll hear they try every day, they sit down right away to finish it, they struggle on some things, but they, you know, or, oh, it's pulling teeth, I can't get my learner to do homework, it becomes a battle, why do you think that is? Well, because you stop to look at the student's outcome on the assessments, their diagnostic, their profile as a learner, and you look at the homework they're being given, and there's a big mismatch there. Ah. So, yeah, some students will plug away and keep trying, and some kids will resist. It all has to do with personality. You know, you have two kids, I have three kids, they all mm. handle stress and frustration and anxiety very differently. Differently, yes. Would you say? Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So if a kid doesn't want to do the homework and the parent has done everything to enable enable the student to, or the parent or caregiver, has done everything to enable the student to have a quiet environment, to have help when needed, you know, all of those things that need to be in place. And the student is still really resistant and angry even about doing the work, instead of saying this kid is lazy or this kid doesn't care, it's usually there's a reason. There's a, there is a very good reason why that's happening. Granted, sometimes they're just tired. They had a bad night the night before. You know, like you said, they can just be being a pill at that time, and that's, that's human nature. But I'm mm-hmm. saying kids who consistently struggle to get things done, I've never found that there was not a reason for that. Have you? Right. No. And it's usually after a long, and, and we have to remember they've been in school all day long. Normally, right. normally, typically, mm-hmm. um, they're in right. school for six hours or more. And then mm-hmm. they come home and they, you know, maybe an hour or two of homework on top of that. So right. they're mentally drained, but right. going back to, to the grit, like what, what percentage of that counts? And, 
homework should be, and we talked about this last podcast, but homework should be practice, right? It should not be new learning. It should be, and it should be something that they have already learned and something that they need to practice. And just like you made a great point earlier, it can be a huge mismatch from how they were doing it in the classroom. So so if it's a new way of doing something they learned, that could throw them off too, how the homework is laid out, how it's formatted. That's probably a whole nother podcast, but that could really throw off a learner too if it's asking a whole different way. So Yes, and I would say that practice, you said practice, it should be practice, but it should be practice after practice in class. Yes, good point. It should be, yeah, that they've been given an opportunity to practice, and so that leads to the point that I talked about in the video what I call the sweet spot for learning or, you know, in teacher lingo, it's the zone of proximal development or the ZPD. And that's based on settled science from many years ago that says the place where learning happens is where a kid is working right at the edge of their competency. They can kind of do it, but they need a little bit of help from someone. So if you think about, you know, your kid on their bicycle with the training wheels off and they're still wobbling and they need you, you know, holding on to the back of the bike for a little while before they can take off and pedal by themselves. That's kind of, that's that spot. And that's where, that's what has to happen for them in school or whatever their learning environment is. They need chances to practice it knowing that someone's hanging on to the back of the seat or there to push them over if they start to wobble to one side before they can go off and pedal down the street by themselves. And if they aren't getting that opportunity in the classroom or in their learning environment, then they're going to start, many kids will start to resist. They will, they will be feeling like, I've been in fight, flight, or freeze all day trying to figure out how to do these things without the appropriate support and now I'm supposed to go home and do it again exactly yes yeah yeah and I see that I see kids getting labeled or getting bad grades or you know don't doesn't care not motivated lazy doesn't show up doesn't but they I don't know that I've ever met a kid who wasn't you know maybe very traumatized and needed something different from anything we have in a school setting that didn't want to do well in school and please people in school, you know, at least at the elementary level, they want to do that. They're not, right, they're not out to (laughs) baffle and annoy, well, sometimes annoy, but you know what I mean, Alicia. They They want their teachers to be proud of them and to care about them and to respect them. Well, and I'm just wondering, too, if they have gotten the gradual release and, and they, they, they were taught, they, they've had practice in class and the guided practice and they get home and the homework's too hard. If they take it back the next day, I wonder if they are given the opportunity to redo it after it's been retaught or their questions have yeah. been answered. Is that done for kids? And does that affect their grades? Like, can you have an average or where you, I remember when I was in school, they would drop the, your lowest homework grade. And so yeah. there, you know, mm-hmm. because it really is about, do they understand the concepts mm-hmm. that, that they're being taught? Yeah. So those are, but yeah. I think those are, those are valid questions that parents and caregivers can ask to mm-hmm. say, you know, what, how are these grades made up? And 
I'm trying to help at home. These are the issues we're having. And it's complex, right? It's not just a letter. The letter's yeah. so simplistic, but there's so much to that yeah. letter, you know, that goes into it's that. So. for us, too. I mean, yes. we're veteran educators and specialists yeah. in, our, in what we do. And we, I mean, I think I'm speaking for you, too, struggle to tease out some of these things and help kids and families, you know, to figure this out and make this fair. I think that one thing I would tell people who are concerned about grades, you've mentioned a couple of times having a chance to redo or, you know, another, another shot at it. Let me, let me learn more and then give me another chance. I have heard from some educators that they don't think that's fair because some kids got it the first go around. So they really know it. And then the kids who got it the second go around, they're not really at the same, you know, have you heard that kind of reasoning? Yes. I have, but I shouldn't have an A if I if I got a second chance. I shouldn't have an A. So, what what is your thought about that? So, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm probably going to say <laughs> that do. that if the ultimate goal is learning, and if the okay. ultimate goal is being able to own the knowledge instead of rent the knowledge, then okay. I'm all for redoing it. We all learn at different stages. Okay. We all learn at different paces. And if that's true, and if we respect that and accept that as educators, that's how we're taught. And if we we differentiate and we modify instruction, then I absolutely think it's appropriate. And I say the the students, the kids that can get it the first time, great. I mean, good for you. How lucky. There are concepts that I could get right away. And there are concepts that probably took me three or four or five times. And I think that's okay. That's a learner. And, and we learn from mistakes. So I don't, I don't know many people who get it the first time and are, and are perfect. That's probably a very small number. And I mean, who, who really understand it and who can do it in different formats. So that goes into another, another discussion too, but I know kids that get something right away and they can produce it orally maybe, but maybe in writing, it's going to take them a little while, right? To show that they have that concept down. So I think it depends on what mode they're being assessed or, or, or what mode they are showing that they have mastered something makes a difference too. So I, I think we all deserve second chances to show what we know. So I know. <laughs> you said anything else? I was going to prompt you up over for this. I want to reiterate here that we're not asking for things to be easier. We're not asking right. for things to be um, standards to be made less rigorous. We're saying give every kid a path to success. And if one kid's path is different from another kid, that kid who got it the first time hopefully can do something else now while some other kids are getting there a different way. And all of that is possible. You and I know that. We're not, oh, here I go, on my soapbox. You and I are living (laughs) the life in school every day. We are interfacing with kids. We're interfacing with teachers. We're in urban settings. Between the two of us, we probably have experience with, what, 20 schools or something. Yes. And we're not just, you know, 
waving a flag on Twitter or, you know, look at me, this idea seems cool. We literally have been there and we are doing it right now. We know that this works. This this approach where you give kids a chance to get there the way they need is how you build successful learners. That is That is how you do it. And measuring everybody with the same measurement at the same time in only one way all that does is create winners and losers absolutely and everybody at some point then would be a loser everybody at some point because not everyone's good at everything and yeah and I I think we we see that every time we get new standards right Uh we see that every time the the assessment the state assessment changes it happens because the formats change so Yes, it's, right. it's about meeting yeah. the needs of the learner where they are. And it goes to that growth mindset. I mean, if, if you look at any any professional sports player, they practice, right? They practice their skill. Yeah. Oh, they have failed. They will tell you many times. I mean, mm-hmm. we know the story of, of Michael Jordan. I think he didn't even make his high school basketball team. And so right. it's, I don't, yes. I, so we apply that to, to some things, but not to... To grades into school is just kind of silly because we're taught to don't quit, don't give up, work hard, uh-huh. do it, uh-huh. practice, practice makes perfect. But then when it comes to certain grades or assessments, that's not the case. So I knew you right. know. Yes. <laughs> Some of that is because of education, yes. the, the field of education moving too slowly. You know, I know there are places that are very progressive, there are places that are not at all, and some in the middle, like, there's a whole continuum, we know that, but from having my own kids who are in grad school and college age, and also a high school are getting ready to think about college, universities are getting rid of ACT requirements and, you know, things like that, because what they're finding is that that doesn't tell them who's going to be successful in a college environment and I just really feel like it's starting things are starting to change and the more that people who are the advocates for kids in the in their thing the the more they go and question and ask for it instead of you know feeling like they have to go along with it the more that these things will change quicker I agree I love that and I and I think Um, we're getting there yeah, and I, I, you know, before we finish, I just want to make sure we mention that you should at any time be able to go in and ask an educator, or if yes. you're the educator, it's a good question to ask yourself, if this learner isn't ready for this task, then where are they on the path to it? Like, can I pinpoint where this learner is and what is needed next? for them to get there? Is it just kind of a, I don't know, they can't do it. You know, you have to ask that question. Where, where is this child, this student? Where is the student and what is the next step? Right? Because yes. that's the important piece of progress. So I'm ready to wrap it up now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. Alisa, I can't get saying this too. If your okay. student learner is struggling because somebody is not giving them um, assessment accommodations, right? Yes. A lot of kids have agreed upon on paper, right, documented 
accommodations that they should be getting on assessments that might sound basic and like, oh, that's a no-brainer. It is not a no-brainer. Parent, caregiver, go ask. Is my student getting someone to read this assessment to them? Are they able to answer? Can they type their answer? Can You know, whatever it is that they're supposed to be able to have help with, they have to get that. Because if they're not, then those assessment results are invalid. Good point. That's Period. a good point. Parents, caregivers, don't be stressed. Whatever you do, I know it's hard, but don't don't transfer your stress about the grades that you're feeling to the student. Because <laughs> they feel that, don't they? They do, yes. Mm-hmm. The pressure is there, yes. And if a sure. child senses, and they sense everything, if they sense that an adult they care about is anxious or worried or concerned or burdened about something, that's going to increase their, you know, stress hormone level and their fear about learning. So we don't want to do that. We want to have those conversations so we don't have to feel that way. Right. And we don't want their learning to be all about the grades. You know, we, no. we want them to in, enjoy it and know that what they are learning that is going to help them in whatever uh-huh. they're going to do. So. Right. Yes. I hope everyone has a great week. And if you have questions about feelings, thoughts, Concerns about grades, you can send us an email at merton.morgan at gmail.com. We love questions. We love um, problem solving and thinking things through. You can also look at our website. Yes, and we have wonderful, helpful clips on YouTube that uh-huh. the parents have asked and we have answered. And you can visit us also. Oh, and you can listen to our podcast on. Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Yeah, we're on both. And um, we'd love to hear from you. We're also on Facebook. You can find us there. Links to all of our our different platforms are on our website, Merton Morgan Consulting LLC. We'd love to hear from you. Mary, have a good week. Yeah, you too, Alicia. Good night, everybody. Good night.